what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we're going to start with an article about how companies are working with college students to combine social media marketing and product placement. And listeners, it's not too late to cut a deal with me to get some love on my MySpace account. Just use my AOL email address and we'll get set up. Today's guest is Molly Gross, an attorney here in Western North Carolina. We'll be talking about trademarks and how to protect your business's name, logo, and other important information. We'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center here at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. had a great pre-meeting, I guess, it's like talking about our football teams, which is a little... Worrisome for you and me, but not for our guests. Well, that's 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 true. You know, and the University of North Carolina is anxiously awaiting basketball season, and Wake Forest is enjoying a soccer team that's very very good. Soccer we soccer don't talk team. About football. And, and our guest Molly went to Appalachian State, and uh, they were nationally ranked for the first time uh, uh, this year, mm-hmm. and then they lost. So that's so. probably because win some, you lose some. Coming All right, with us. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but. Uh, and it's almost Halloween? Yes, I'm excited about that. Are you dressing up this year? No, just the way I dress is, scares a lot of people. Okay. Well, anyway. Gary, uh, I sent you an I article. I you are, by the way. I'm, you always dress up. Uh, Gary, I sent you an article this week <laughs> that we were going to chat a little bit about. And it's an article that was in the New York Times in uh, August by Claire Ballantyne, where she was talking about how there are companies out there enlisting <laughs> college students to promote their products and their social on their social media and and uh, how it's also sort of an opportunity for college students and uh, uh, just thought it was interesting that uh, since you and I work at a college yes. and and we also yeah. it, you know we also talk about business stuff so I thought it would be an interesting article. I think it was great I you know you heard I heard a little bit about it but I really started getting more and more interested for my kids that are in college right now. Because you want them to, to be social media influencers and, and get lots of money? Some money. You can get some money there? So. Yeah, I, I was really excited about it. I'm planning to send it <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> so so I, mean, I, I remember you know back in the day when uh, people spent money promoting their products in movies and on television mm-hmm. shows. And, and now uh, companies are trying to identify influencers uh, who I guess have a big following on various social media things. And, we talk, and a lot of it is Instagram, uh, but also Twitter and Facebook. But Instagram seems to be a big one. And they talked about uh, apparel products, uh, energy drinks, uh, different ways that you might be doing that. Uh, Don't know if anyone is out there trying to come up with ways to market their products. But, uh, you know, and I know you interact, uh, you know, with a lot of the students, you know, the co-eds and whatnot. You know, so you probably are always checking out their social media, right? I interact with them a lot, and I talk to them a lot. Now, I don't know much about social media, but I was excited. And I know my kids uh, do a lot of social media, so I really 
was interested in, and I will send it to them this afternoon. I'm just tongue-in-cheek uh, comment. I'm going to send it so that they could use a little bit extra money. Maybe they can advertise many of these products. So, so do you think it's effective advertising? Do you think it's deceptive advertising? Do you think it's the fake news? Could be. All the above? All the above. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think it is effective. But, I, you know, I didn't read, I think, in the very first one, that one of the people that was uh, one of the influencers didn't use the product. Did I read that? It's, it's certainly possible. I don't know. I mean, do you think... So you, that would be fake, a little bit of fake news. Do you think all the celebrities use the products that they promote? I think they do after they've been paid. Uh, probably. Probably. All right. Uh, you know, it also talks about FTC guidelines in that if people are using their social media accounts to advertise products, they are supposed to disclose on their accounts the brands they represent and, and the students are supposed to, but it doesn't sound like they always do, use the company name and, and maybe put a, a hashtag that is sponsored by a certain company. But something, to, you know, if you're a student out there listening, that's something that you just want to be sensitive to because you don't really want to get in trouble with the, the FTC, the Federal right. the I think Trade Commission. If they get involved in it, they need to make sure they know the, the basic rules that they need to abide by. But I really think it's something that, obviously, there are tons of college kids that are taking advantage of it. Well, you know, and, and, and I get the sense that it's a fairly inexpensive way to promote your products. I mean, we, we always talk about making sure that you identify who you're trying to reach. And, you know, it sounds like if you're trying to reach me or you, putting it on college kids' Instagram accounts is probably not the best probably way to Probably not going to work. But if you're trying to reach other college kids and that's your target customer, if you can find those influencers and get them to use their product, and maybe give them some energy drinks as opposed to give them money, or maybe well, give them a little bit of money. Some of the people are getting products, yeah, yeah. in lieu of money. So, so I think that makes sense. Just, just a, another marketing idea for our listeners to be considering. Well, and also the fact that things are changing; that every company needs to be looking at what's going on now. You can't do what you did five years ago or ten years ago, and, and really not even a year ago. You got to figure out what's the newest, hottest thing we can do. Did you Did you have a MySpace account? No, I didn't. Okay, well, yeah, you, Do you still have your. I you'll have to go look. Yeah, you have to go look. It's in you know check out my AOL account as well. Let's move on. Okay. All right. Let's introduce our guest today. Our our guest is Molly Gross. Molly, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Molly is an associate with Patrick Harper and Dixon, a law firm here in Hickory, North Carolina. She's a native of Charlotte. She attended Appalachian State University, you know, and, and we're sorry that Appalachian State lost a football game this week. They don't lose many football no, games. They do not they, lose often. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not common for us. It's kind of an un, unusual feeling. Well, you know, and, and is this your first podcast as well? This is my, this is my first podcast, right, yes. Well, so Avid listener, but my first appearance. Oh, good so. answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, attended law school at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Yes, yeah, so I am. I'm used to winning in both basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Not in not in football in Chapel Hill, but in, no. in Appalachian State. All right. I well. like to pick 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 the winners. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you avoid Duke, you're you're okay here. Always. Okay. Always. I was raised a Duke fan, but quickly changed my ways. Okay, that's great. Good pivot. Uh, <laughs> uh, you've got a lot of great credentials that you did in, in school, and now you're you're residing here in Western North Carolina, where I I noticed based on your your company website, you enjoy spending time with friends and your dog named Mr. President. Yes, my dog, Mr. President. We recently got another puppy named Chief Justice. So we kind of have a theme going. We're big West Very Wing cool. fans. Big West That's Wing cool. fans. West okay. Wing fans. Yeah. Okay. Well, I. I uh, 
I, I'm a fan of West Wing as well. I've, I've, uh, I've got a West Wing shirt and everything. And, and the next time we speak to our listeners, we'll be through midterm elections mm-hmm. and we can, we'll break that down for our listeners. I'm sure they'll be fascinated to get our take on that. But, uh, uh, we asked Molly to join us today to talk, uh, talk about trademarks. And then Molly was kind enough to actually do a seminar for our small business center, uh, several weeks ago on trademarks. Did a fabulous job. Thank oh, you very thank much. You. And appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us uh, today. So, you know, I know when I meet with people, they're often confused on the the differences between trademarks, patents, and copyrights. So, so when we're talking trademarks, Molly, what what are we talking about, and how does that differ from from copyrights and and patents? And you know, what do, people don't always know what they need. How do no, you differentiate there? No, they don't always know what they need. Well, that happens a lot. Um, frequently, people call our office and say, I, you know, I need a copyright, and I'll say, well, let's sit down and talk about what you need because um, copyrights, trademarks, and patents are all what are collectively known as intellectual property rights. And frequently, um, someone may actually need all three, but that's because trademarks, copyrights, and patents protect different things. Um, Trademarks specifically protect brands for goods and services. So um, kind of what lawyers would call things that are source identifying. Brands are the things that identify the source of your goods to consumers. So trademarks protect things like your name, um, but they also protect things like your logo and are actually a lot more expansive than just that. Um, it can be things like colors or sounds too. Copyrights, on the other hand, those protect original works of authorship. So, um, in a much more uh, layman term, they protect things like books, music, um, uh, movies. Um, they even protect things like commercials or jingles that you may hear in an advertisement. Um, but it protects the kind of creative side of um, of an authorship. Um, patents, on the other hand, protect inventions. So if you create a new technology, if you, um, if a pharmaceutical company makes a new medicine, patents are what protect the kind of mechanism that makes that product work. Patents and copyrights are also a limited time thing. You can only have, you can only have those for a limited period of time. Trademarks, on the other hand, can, they don't always, but they can last forever. So, um, and, and so for one product, you may have all three. For example, if you have a new medicine, then you may have a patent for the actual mechanism for how that works, a trademark for the name or for the logo, and then a copyright for the advertisement. So they just protect different kinds of things. And I I would assume from a legal perspective, there are lawyers that specialize in certain areas and that that not not any general lawyer is going to be a patent attorney. That's sort of an area of specialty. Yes. Actually, this is an an unusual fact about the law, but patent attorneys... uh, you have to have a specific degree and pass a separate bar exam. So, oh, really? If I did you not are, know that. Yes, and it's the one area of law that you actually cannot do if you are not if you have not passed that separate bar exam. So, patent lawyers have degree must have a degree in in basically a STEM background, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, something like that, because um, it's hyper technical. Not us. <laughs> not me either. <laughs> not me either. But um, but that's also why they get paid the big the big bucks. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, but but and and you work with trademarks and, and copyrights, and, and yes. we're going to talk mostly about trademarks. But from a copyright perspective, that that's written written words, and, and not is it, just out of curiosity, is there a special process that you go through there? Or if I, you know, it seems like I've heard the if I write something and I, you know, it, I've already copywritten it. Is that that's is exactly that, right? <clears throat> so that's and that's how trademarks work too. As soon as I 
if I'm a songwriter and I jump, if I, you know, quickly jot out this song, technically speaking, that copyright already exists. Same thing for a trademark. As soon as I start selling it, selling a good or a service, the trademark exists organically. Um, kind of that's what we would call the common law trademark, trademark or copyright rights. But in reality, if you would like to enforce that, if you want to really protect those rights, um, then you would need to register that copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there is a process for copyrights. It's actually not very difficult for depositing what the Copyright Office calls depositing your work mm-hmm. with the Copyright Office. It's um, a small form, and um, they have a wonderful collection of all these kinds of songs and photographs and all kinds of wonderful things that they'll keep there for you. So, well, speaking of trademarks, moving back back over to trademarks, yeah, you, I, I think you said that technically you might not necessarily have to register a trademark, but I imagine bad things, I say bad things, things can happen <laughs> if I don't register a trademark. I mean, what, what uh, bad things or what sort of risk do I put myself at if I, if I don't register a trademark? Right. So like I said, trademarks already exist just by virtue of using them. Um, that being said, risk is your real is your real concern. So, um, number one, registering a trademark is a great way to put the world on notice um, that you're that you're using that mark. Trademarks um, by registering them give, um, especially a federal registration. Um, there's a between a state registration and a federal registration, and we can talk about that later. But depending on how you register it, it puts not just that, you know, that area on notice that you are the legal owner. It creates a presumption that you own that mark. Um, so if someone tries to come back later and say, you know, I didn't know that you, that you, you're in this little, you're in a small town and you're doing this very locally. Well, it doesn't matter if I'm doing it locally and you're doing it in four states. If I was there first and I registered it, there's a legal presumption that I'm the owner and that I have the exclusive right to use it. So, <clears throat> that's one of the reasons why it's a good idea to register it. Um, is there a, you may talk about different companies in different states. Is there anything where somebody could have a logo or trademark for different industries? Right, yes. So, that so they're not competing. Yeah, and the United States Patent and Trademark Officer, as Lars may, may call it, the PTO or the USPTO, has their system for determining what areas overlap enough that you can't do it. So if I'm registering um, if I'm registering a mark for computers, then they would say, great, no one else can have that mark in computers. But they may also say you can't have it for mobile apps because that's a little similar. It's not mm-hmm. quite the same, but it's similar. But if I was selling food, they would say, okay, those are n- not similar enough where anyone would be confused. Right. So, so, so if I'm doing Apple Records, Someone else might do Apple computers. Right. And um, and some brands are so big, at, you know, initially they're not, but they're so big that um, that you can't really get anything in the same space. Like yeah. Coca-Cola. It doesn't matter that they make soda. They also sponsor NASCAR teams, and they make T-shirts, and they do all kinds of things. So I still can't register Coca-Cola for T-shirts, even though that's really not the core of their brand. Some are so big that you can't, but... For something much smaller, you could use the exact same name, and they would say that that was they they might they may say that's okay. So, if I wanted to open up my my Walmart plumbing business, someone might have a problem with that. I think that someone someone may. Okay. I can't identify who that may be, but good to good to know. Good now to you know. Also mentioned colors because when I was in the textile business working at college, we got in a lawsuit with one of our competitors because they had. And wanted to tie up the color green. It was a funny, funky shade green. 
and we had a green color that was not exactly the same, but it was similar, and we got into a knockdown, drag-out fight, and I said, I can't believe that we're fighting over a color. But you mentioned that in your yes. intro. Yes, you can. You can certainly trademark colors. Um, so uh, it c- happens a lot in the college context, um, things like that burnt orange for the University of Texas. Every, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a... Carolina unique, blue. Carolina blue. I mean, certainly I would argue that that is very specific to the mm-hmm. University of North Carolina. Um, but another really famous example is Tiffany Blue. So um, what companies, fr- not I want to say frequently do, but if you, if you, a color that you use is so synonymous with your brand, really is how a customer may, may, may identify you, then you can, um, a company can register that Pantone color. So it's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gets hyper-technical with what colors are going in, what hues are going in to make that color, but you can register that Pantone color. And basically that means that if I'm a jewelry maker, I can't put Tiffany blue on a box. Even if I put Molly's jewelry on it, it doesn't matter. If a customer sees a jewelry box and it's that, that, Mm -hmm. that Tiffany blue, they're automatically going to think that it's Tiffany. So, um, so you can do sense. Yes, it does make sense because when you think about that, I mean, Another example is UPS Brown. If I saw a package delivery service in a brown uniform or a brown truck, I think it's UPS. Yep. It doesn't matter if they put a different name on the side. In my head, I think that even if I know, okay, maybe they're not the exact same, I think maybe they're related. It can, creates a connection that is false. Yep. Um, but some of my other favorite examples are, one is colors, but the other is sounds. Um, and when I did this the seminar at the Small Business Center, I had some examples there that I think are really fun. But um, one of my favorites is the Pill Pills very doughboy noise. Mm-hmm. We you know when yep. they when they poke his belly and he goes, I won't even I won't do the laugh because <laughs> I, I could poke Gary's belly. Yeah, if you could, that would be great. No, See can't. if he does okay. it. <laughs> but you hear that little laugh and you know automatically that that is Pillsbury. Um, if you're in the other room, you know what's coming on. Um, one of the ones I used was Law and Order. If you hear that dun 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 dun, mm-hmm. if you're in another room, you know someone else in your house is watching Law and Order. Um, the, and if as, the, the one that I like that you said was uh, Darth Vader's heavy breathing. Right, yeah. yeah so. I mean, if if another galactic style, you know, media came out and started using that heavy breathing, Star Wars has trademarked that, and that would be a big no-no because you think that that's Darth Vader. You know that Star Wars. So well, In sports, so college fight songs, can they be? That, I mean, it can when be, I hear Notre Dame or I hear Carolina's... I recognize them. I think, it, I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't, uh, now, of course. not too worried about that. Yeah, no, um, I don't know that they're not too worried about it. I think certainly it, will, it would definitely be copyrighted because it's an original work of authorship. It may expire after a period of time. Um, and there are certain ones that would be so synonymous. I don't know of an example that is registered, but maybe a listener will chime in and say, I can't believe you don't know that this, reg- that this song, is, and I'm sure that there is one. I just don't know one off the top of my head. Well, you're, you're talking about various areas when, when you when someone comes to you and and uh, is talking about trademarking something. And I guess one of the things that you must be thinking about is whether it's eligible to be trademarked. You know, so if, if it's a name or something, how do you determine if uh, if it's something's even eligible to be trademarked? What's your thought sure. process there? So there are some baseline rules right off the bat. Um, someone doesn't even need to, I don't even need to do a search for some things to tell if something is registrable or not. Um, certain things are just not, you're not able to do them. So something that's really generic for the same term. So um, I like to say if I am Apple Computers, my name is Apple and I sell computers, 
that's okay because selling an apple when you think apple you if they're selling a computer, they're totally unrelated. A trademark law would call that arbitrary. But if you are selling apples, someone else needs the word apple. And so you can't take a generic word and trademark that because other people, um, consumers need it to be able to understand what they're buying, and other people who are selling need it to be able to describe their goods. So if it is highly generic, it's going to be out. Um, there are some other interesting rules about registering your own last name. So, um, so people who own family businesses sometimes come in and um, we have to deal with that because generally a surname on its own, um, even with another generic word, is, is going to be a problem. Um, but then there's the other issue of whether or not someone already has it. Um, and so that goes to doing a trademark clearance search and figuring out, is there is someone else using this name already? Um, some of those are, uh, sometimes you can tell right off the bat, someone comes in and you think, yeah, no way, someone else has got to have that. And sometimes they don't and you get lucky. Um, but then we go into a, a clearance search process. And many entrepreneurs have done that on their own already. Frequently, people come in and say, yeah, I kind of already know that there are some other people using this name for something similar. But we want a clever lawyer to figure out how to, uh, but to right. get through that process. Right. Okay. And you may be able to still, if they don't have a trademark registered, then you may be able to do it. You may be limited in your rights, but you could maybe still do it. So, um, but, you know, a lot of times people already know. And then you could also go to the USPTO and they have a really uh, public friendly process for for figuring out on your own whether or not something is trademarked. They, the USPTO does a great job of making themselves um, available for the public to use. Um, and they have some great videos that explain to you how to do that search um, and how to determine whether or not something's available. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. And I remember when, when you conducted your seminar, I think you went online and sort of walked people through that process a little bit. And, and Easy for you. You've done it many a time, right. I suspect. I mean, uh, for, for someone doing it the first time, they, they might benefit from from someone who has done it before and gone through the experience because there's some, some searching techniques that it looks like you, you know, as someone that does this on a regular basis, we're, we're pretty familiar with. So it, it's out there, you know, but uh, you, you have to play around with it a little bit. Definitely. Once, once you determine something can be trademarked, what's, you know, and, and you know, We're only going to get so in-depth, but just in terms of a process for securing a trademark and and what does it cost people to do that, um, what's uh, what's the basic process that they'll go through to actually secure and get their trademark? So if you're registering with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, um, the process is all online. You can do it by paper if you so choose. It'll cost you about $150 extra, so we encourage you to to do it online. Um, But it's pretty simple. You put in your information about who owns the business. If you have a a doing business as name, you add that. And then you will upload, um, if it's a logo you're registering, you'll upload that image file. If it's a name, then you just type it in, um, and you will select. Select what kind of what kind of um, 
kind of good or service it is, um, the USPTO allows you to use what I call their canned language, which means that they already have a number of, a great deal of, um, of descriptions of goods or services that you can just kind of tick off and and, and select from their list. Um, and that makes for an entrepreneur, for someone who's not a lawyer, doing it fairly simple. Now, some people have marks that are too complicated um, for that really to make sense for them. Um, but the other thing you need to submit with it is what they call a specimen, which is, I think, an unusual name mm-hmm. for what it is. But basically, it is a it is proof that you are using your goods or service in commerce. So if you're selling a good, that is your name or logo on a tag of, say, the shirt or... Or shipping label. I think we had to do that. Maybe that that could possibly... Well, I've never a shipping used, box. Yes, a box could possibly work or like a sticker that you put on. Because we put a new logo mm-hmm. and they want it. And do they right. want the actual physical specimen or a picture of said specimen? Right. Good question. Do not. <laughs> do not, under any circumstances, send them the actual physical item. Um, I mean, I'm sure they would be nice about it, but they don't want that. They want a photo. I sort of some extra <laughs> swag for the the folks that right. work there. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, so. I'm sure they would love it. Um and then if you're selling a service, then sometimes people will do um like a picture of their website where you can actually purchase cuz or a sign outside of your business proving that you are using oh, yeah, with a service is a little more complicated than a good cuz you can put it on the good and sell it. So um that sometimes the trickiest part for people is the specimen. Um and then if you're using their canned language, it's $225. If you want to put in your own language, that's how I do it. But, um, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I, I, I sometimes have very specific things I want to include. Um, it's 275 And then if you wanted to send in a written one, it would be $400. So, and I should say that's per class of goods. So if you wanted to be in, like, a computer class and a business services class, it would be 275 per class. So that's something to think about, too. Oftentimes when I work with entrepreneurs or small businesses, we talk about what's the core of your business because those can add up. And so you need to decide, okay, what's really the most important? Oftentimes that's the name or the logo with the name or something like that rather than sometimes small businesses don't really need to skip ahead to colors. (laughs) Perhaps we need to just focus on the core because that can be quite expensive over time. And if you, as you proceed with the application, assuming it's uh, accepted, how how long does that last for, and does it have to be renewed at some point in time? It does. So trademarks can can last forever, but they do need um, continual maintenance. So between years five and six, after you get your registration, between the fifth and sixth year, you need to submit additional um, additional documentation, another basically another specimen showing we're still using it. Here's proof that we're still using it. Um, and then you need to do the same thing between year nine and ten, um, and then every ten years thereafter. But if you continue to do that, you could keep it um, in perpetuity. So you better put something in your your tickler file to remind you to absolutely re- re- renew at certain points, or you you might lose your your trademark. Absolutely. Now the USPTO will, as long as you continue to update your email address, they will alert you and say, "By the way, it's coming up." But you know, just think about how much the world has changed in the last 10, 15, 20 years. I know I'm not using the same email address I was when email came out. And some people have had trademarks since, you know, for 100 years. So, I, you know, you can still get an AOL address if you need one, Mom. I think, I think you have to pay for an AOL address now. Oh, you got to know the right people. <laughs> okay. Gotcha, gotcha. 
I'm interested by the fact that you have to provide a specimen or, or sample or something or a picture of said thing. So if I'm just starting a, bear, a brand new business, is it appropriate for me to try to trademark my name day one or should I be in business for three, six months to, to show that I'm it's in use or what's your, what's your advice on that? Sure. Um, you do not even technically have to even have a sale. To, to be in use. As long as you are offering the goods or ser- services to consumers, you can apply for a trademark. And in fact, you can do that before. You can apply for a trademark before you're using it. So um, there's um, a few different kinds of applications. One, um, the main application is for a mark that's already in use. But if you are getting going with your business and your IP rights are a top, top priority for you, you can actually register. Well, you can't register, but you can apply for your trademark before you begin using it. Now, every six months, they're going to ask you to pay them a little bit more money and uh, to keep that application alive. And, it, and then when you start using it, that's when you send them the specimen. Um, so you can apply for it in advance and just keep that keep that intent they call it an intent to use application alive but you can do it beforehand if that's something that's important to you i think it's it's a business decision as to you know am i really worried someone's going to take this people often think Mm -hmm. that someone's going to be after their great other great brand idea and so if that's important to you then then you should and 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 we've been talking about registering your name i guess on the federal level and, and if you do that, is there really – I guess you can register your name on a state level or, or I guess even an international level, question yes. mark? I mean, if I, if I register my name on the federal level, should I even bother with the state level? No, no disrespect to the state of North Carolina no who might disrespect. appreciate that revenue? Right. Um, I, I can't see that there would be value to that myself. I mean, I think for some businesses it does cost less. It depends on the state that you're in. In the state that we're in, in North Carolina, I think that the application process is more difficult, but it's also cheaper. State registrations were very popular for a long time because a lot of small businesses only existed in their state. With the advent of the internet, not many businesses, you know, many, many, many businesses have interstate commerce. So um, if you wanted to have an interstate business, then I think it makes the most sense to do a federal registration. Um, But if you think that you will, that you will only be in North Carolina and your competitors will only ever be in North Carolina, then, you know, there are some businesses that are like that. But um, Certainly, the rights that you get for a federal registration are so much more um, than you would get for a state registration that I, I wouldn't myself. You saw, you saw my eyes light up and my mouth open on that international because company I was with before we started going into Europe, which wasn't as big of a problem getting registered. But when we went into China and Asia, it was a significant problem. Oh, right. Trying to lock in our name and our brand. Yeah. Um, So one of the good things about a federal registration is that um, it can be used, you can parlay it into an international registration many times. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So the U.S. is part of something called the Madrid Protocol. That sounds very legal, legalistic. It is, but it's a treaty that the United States has for international, um, for international uh, intellectual property rights, and specifically, it's one of the ways that you can use your federal registration. Um, the country it's going to still needs to approve it, but it is a great way to kind of get your base here and then go international if you need to. But it is expensive. You mentioned that, right? So yeah, it's that not one thing cheap. We looked at. Every time, the, I guess, the re-up it or what we needed to do, pay, I think we had to pay an annual fee. 
Perha I mean, I think overseas. it depends on, yeah, it depends so on where you're going. we had to decide whether they were important, which countries were important for us, so, versus just having them out there, because it was a full-time job for somebody to kind of keep up with all these Absolutely. things internationally. Yeah, and keeping, and keeping track of... Um, of what registrations are coming out. I mean, the right, USPTO exactly. does that. The US, one of the wonderful things about having a federal registration is that the USPTO will put the halt on a registration that they have found to be confusingly similar with yours. They will not sue for you. They will not, you know, they won't use their lawyers to, mm -hmm. to fight, to fight um, someone who is violating your trademark, but they will stop a, a new registration. But if something gets through, um, they have this process called, um, called publishing and, and they publish all the marks that are up for registration and some people's job is to go through and make sure that nothing that's been published violates their trademark so um you know if you're a small business maybe you just need to kind of hope and pray that the uspto right. catches it um but certainly large companies have 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 ip lawyers that um that's one of their jobs and and if I think someone is infringing on my name. You know, let's assume it's more of a domestic issue as opposed to an international issue. But, right. but if I've trademarked my name uh, and, <coughs> and I think someone's infringing upon it, uh, what, what can I do? What should I do? That's a, that is a, an important question because getting a trademark is, is one thing. Um, if you want to keep a trademark and you know that someone is infringing on your trademark rights, you have to do something about it. There's really no, you cannot allow someone else to continue using your mark. Um, and so uh, sometimes the best thing to do is call a lawyer. <laughs> um, you don't have to do that, um, but lawyers often start with a cease and desist letter. That's just like reckless self-promotion there, Molly. Come on. Yeah, I know. I can't <laughs> believe that I would say that. All right. um, but, I mean, people can write their own cease and desist letters, certainly. Sometimes they just get more scared when it comes on a lawyer's letterhead. So, um, But you need to make them aware and, and, and ask them to stop. If they don't, then you're going to need to end up filing a lawsuit, um, in which case... I, I don't want to promote lawyers again, but if you're filing a lawsuit, it would just be maybe a good idea. Just talk to a lawyer. I, actually, from your entrepreneur exchange business advisors in that situation, I think we would also advise you that you're <laughs> a lawyer. I think that I think that that's a good idea. Um, so that's one of the definitely one of the things you need to do is to you have to enforce those trademark rights if someone is infringing. And and what sort of risk do I put myself in if I'm infringing on someone else's trademark? If I if I start my Walmart plumbing business next week, which I'm, yeah, I, I might do. I've been, you know, I've been talking about that for some time. I've heard you. Right. Um, well, if you do start your Walmart plumbing business, you should know that um, you may be, uh, you may be the subject of some upcoming litigation, particularly from one, um, from one company I can think of. Um, it, and particularly if someone has a federal registration, sometimes state laws also allow for statutory damages or attorney's fees, but the federal level, um, the statutory damages can get really high, um, up, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars per infringement, um, plus attorney's fees for IP lawyers, not cheap. Um, and then on top of that, something that lawyers call treble damages, which is a fancy way of saying triple damages. So whatever the amount is in the hundred thousand dollars, triple it, you know, so that's if someone has a federal registration. So, um, I think if you found yourself in a situation where you think, I'm not sure, I think I could be infringing this, um, 
find out if you really are infringing it. I mean, certainly people put a lot of money into their brand, and so you don't want to switch it without knowing that you really need to. Um, but you could be, if you are, then you could be forced to disgorge all of your profits. And certainly if you're running a business, um, that's not ideal, um, having to disgorge your profits. I, I might go with... It just the, sounds bad. I, I might go with yeah. I might go with the Kmart plumbing service. I, yeah. I think they got other issues to worry about at this point. <laughs> They're fighting it on many fronts. Yeah. Just see what happens. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone would. I'm not sure they would care <laughs> at this point. Now. I don't know. Um, Molly, you you've been very very helpful and 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 I'm I'm, I'm going to. I have a, a new special feature that we're going to do today. You're the Great. first person we're doing this with. <laughs> This is exciting. This is we're going to have a, a lightning round of questions. Oh, great! Oh, wow. so, so I love it. This mm-hmm. is this is for Molly. So, Molly, first question: Who's your favorite football team? My favorite football team. Well, what, what level are we talking about? Carolina Panthers. And, and I mean, you, you just just an answer, Molly. It's a lightning round. Uh, Carolina Panthers, University of Tennessee, okay, so that's Appalachian enough. State. I get three. Uh, all right. Who is your favorite legal hero? Um, I feel like this is a really cliche answer. She's very popular right now, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg is That's a good, she's good answer. A classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dog, Mr. President's favorite snack. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Okay. Related question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, no. Well, oh. Open face. Open face. Okay. What are you dressing up as this Halloween? Oh, oh, a disgruntled lawyer. Okay. <laughs> Last question. If you were going to advertise a product on your social media account, what would that product be? Um, probably pasta. I pasta. love pasta. Okay. All right. Yeah, Molly, and we're not even going to ask her for a particular brand name because, you know, this, you know we don't want to put her we on that spot. We don't want to promote. Mm-hmm. All right. They have right. to pay me for that. All right. As well, they should. I'm basically a college student, right? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm basically. You're not, I mean, you're not that far off. Yeah. Me, we're going to say that. I'm sure, I'm sure you have thousands of followers on your Instagram account. Of course. You're an influencer. I am an influencer. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Molly, you've been a wonderful guest. We appreciate it. If people want to find me. you, where, where, can they, where can they find you or where can they find your firm? That, yeah. Yeah, we're at Patrick Harper, uh, PatrickHarperDixon.com, and all of my contact info is there, and I'm happy to talk about trademarks or anything else. And if, if you're, you're visiting and, and want to meet the president, you could also try to find, find Molly, or Mr. President. Yeah, Mr. President is about to get ultra famous because my husband and I are going to be in Southern Living soon. I didn't even and bring that up. I know, you, you, and my, our dog is in almost all of the photos. Mr. President was highly featured. Well, that's very exciting. And, and that'll, yeah. be, that'll be coming in the spring, I believe? Yeah, it'll be out in March. So, right, so. Hickory will be featured, but really, I mean, it's, it's, it's good that Hickory's there, but really, Mr. President is the star. Yeah, it's, it's not you and your husband, really. It's, 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 it's no. Mr. President. <clears throat> exactly. Well, anyway, we, we very much appreciate you coming on. Thank, Thank you for you having me. It, it sounds like we should invite Mr. President at some point so. to, to, oh, to join us. He's got a lot to say. I bet he does. I bet he does. At the end, we uh, like to, to uh, talk about small businesses uh, that uh, we've come across. Molly, do you have a small business that you'd like to, to share with our listeners? I do. I have a favorite small business that I like. It's, uh, it's called Arts and Crafts HKY, and they do um, they will do like private paint lessons, but they also do um, public parties and stuff like that where you can go and they'll – teach you how to do a specific kind of um, a specific painting that they're doing for everyone. Um, but I really enjoy it because they kind of use art as therapy for, for a whole group of people. And it's process.
process over product, and I think it's really enjoyable and a fun thing to do. So that's Arts and Crafts HKY, yes, which I assume is. is here local. It is. But if you if I if I Google you in Arts and in. Crafts HKY, I can find it out there. You would find it there. Yep. All right. Very good. Well, thank I you. I think we should look it up for the therapy. Well, all right. Well, Gary, <laughs> what's uh, tell us what your uh, small business is. We'll determine what sort of therapy you need. Well, my small business of the month puts back in line with my interest of always trying to highlight food or animals when I'm spotlighting. Uh, it's our very own alumnus at CDCC, Megan Johnson. She's opening her own bakery this week in Viewmont. Uh, she's a graduate of Challenger and CDCC. She spent two years at Appalachian State studying food science and dietetics. That's when she discovered her passion for baking in a baking class. She transferred to Johnson & Wales, which makes sense, in Charlotte, finished in a blazing one year by taking extra classes and graduating just past December. Long story short, things fell in place for her. Uh, she's now in the former Cornerstone Bakery in Hickory, which may be hard for people to find that or listen to us in California and New York, but we all know where that is. She's ingeniously partnered with Morganton's-based Dapper Donut to occupy the front retail space, and she's using the backspace for a commercial kitchen for her pastry business. It's really exciting for us to see our own students take a big step and be successful. So we're going to go see how she's doing this weekend. Oh, very good. Very good. Good to hear. Well, my small business of the month is uh, a company I, I get a get a email about from from a, a North Carolina business uh, publication, uh, and they were they were highlighting a, a business that I thought was interesting. It's called No Evil Foods, which is a Asheville based area company that has started making plant based meats. With quirky names such as uh, Comrade Cluck, the No Chicken, and they're working out of a shared kitchen at uh, uh, AB Tech Community College in Candler, North Carolina. Uh, they've had uh, they started in 2014. They've had revenue growth of uh, 100% of 100% uh, per year. They're in the process of expanding to a larger space in Weaverville, North Carolina. And you know, just as a little background. And this is new to me as well, and that that I'm, you know, I sort of enjoy the meat here, you know, and that's sort of where I get my protein. But I respect uh, other options out there. Plant meat is just what it sounds like. It's a meat made from plants. It's 100% plant protein that has the taste and texture of meat. Are the what meats are? Well, I'm going to get to that. Gary. <laughs> you know, our our meat, their meats are 100% plant based, plant based, non GMO. They harness the protein from beans wheat berries and yeast and use organic herbs and spices to create their flavors and they do it with very super simple ingredients uh the company's products are now sold uh at stores including earth fair whole food markets and independent grocers this summer they added new york-based wegman's food market which is a pretty well-known wow, and respected uh, uh supermarket and uh Last month, it was announced that they're going to be launching their products in 250 Walmart stores wow. uh, uh, in 2019. Uh, Co-founder Sadra Shadel says the rollout will make healthy plant-based foods accessible to more shoppers. 91% of Americans live within 10 miles of a Walmart, and the success of our mission is largely based on our ability to, promote, uh, to provide compromise-free alternatives to everyone, she said. So some products they, they offer. I mentioned Comrade Cluck, which is an alternative to their chicken. Chicken. They also uh, offer 
something that they call the stallion, which is an alternative to Italian sausage. I thought you were going to say horse meat. I, I, I did too. Yeah. What? <laughs> we went no, down you. real fast. It can be used for horse meat too, <laughs> but they compare it to Italian sausage. They call they have something called El Zapatista, which is their spicy, fiery Italian sausage. And they have something called Pit Boss, which is their barbecue. Mm. And uh, the article I read, I'm, and I'm quoting directly from there, so because I, I, I don't want to get in trouble, any legal trouble. It says, if your cousin is bringing his vegan girlfriend to your house for Thanksgiving, no evil foods has you covered because they also have a, something called the pardon, a plant-based alternative to the, to the conventional holiday turkey. So you can get the pardon. That's clever. So you can visit their website. Uh, get more information at www.noevilfoods.com. So, Mr. President, can't wait to try it. So uh, Joe Bob says, check it out. You there should you, uh, you should be checking that out. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email it to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use your idea, we'll give you an Entrepreneur Exchange prize pack. We want to thank Molly Gross for joining us today. Molly, thank you so much. Thank You've been you. a great Thanks. sport and very informative as well. And uh, as Molly said, you can find her and her firm at www.patrickharperdixon.com. We want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network. You can download us at themesh.tv or subscribe at the iTunes Store. And you should also check out all the other cool podcasts that the Mesh offers. they got a lot of them out there. So, Fantastic. We, we hope everyone has a good fall. We will look forward to talking to you guys in about a month. Take okay. care. Yep, thank you. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.